Socks on 35th is next. Doors open on the left. How's it going, everybody? My name is Duke Coughlin, and welcome back to the Socks on 35th podcast. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, whatever whatever you celebrate, I'm happy for you. I'm, I'm happy that you're happy to celebrate something. Congratulations. Um, I, I don't know all the holidays off the top of my head, but we're glad to be back. As, as glad as we are to talk about the Chicago White Sox, uh, we are back with another exciting episode covering your Chicago White Sox. I had to get that in. I'm sorry. Um, as always, I'm joined by our panelists, uh, Santa Lazowski and Nick Gower. Um, for those listening to the audio version, Jordan is wearing a Santa hat and it is very festive. I'm trying, you know, season of joy and cheer and all that fun. So I'm trying my hardest here. I'm having fun with it, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I'm doing good too. It's a nice time of year, although really nothing going on. I mean, obviously Otani signed and that was a big deal for baseball, but very boring times for the White Sox, which is kind of why we haven't done an episode in a while, but still happy to be here. Well, they put out those new rules today too. Um, well, yesterday by the time we're airing this and I'm not thrilled again. I I feel like every time they do this, and for those who may not be familiar, the, the rules committee is made up of majority owners over players. So anything that Manfred wants gets pushed through whether or not the players agree with it. I don't know how they let that happen. So now there's more pitch clock stuff, all that fun stuff. And it's, I, I, again, I don't understand how you let yourselves put the schedule in the last CBA where, where you were at, in the minority for things that only affect you. That's just a side rant, but that is the only other interesting thing going on in baseball right now. It is not a fun time right now. Yeah. I mean, we could definitely get in this, like a, a psychological debate about you, the players union and the, you know, the actual, you know, MLB committee about how, you know, the possible collusion and whatnot, because I swear you run into it with like every player's union. They're just maybe a little too hoity-toity with the the league that runs the operation. But again, that's a discussion for another day. But I agree, Jordan. Um, it's definitely something that's holding back a lot of pitchers. Like it, it's just, I don't know. It seems like we're tinkering with a game that is historically something that fans don't like being tinkered with. But who am I? who am I to say? But anyway, um, we've quite a bit to cover in this episode, not like anything, you know, news, because God forbid the White Sox actually make a move. We're actually going to switch it up a little bit. We're going to have a uh, we're going to have a draft of the best moments of the 2023 Chicago White Sox. Yes, they are very scarce, but we found them, I promise. But before we get to that, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the website, SoxOn35th.com, as well as following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at SoxOn35th. So, we do have this draft set up. Uh, we're probably going to do a little bit later in the episode. The, the Sox have done a little bit there, here and there that we should probably kind of talk about. Um, and the number one, drumroll please, I'm going to mess up his last name, Eric Fetty. Oh, Eric you got Fed. it. Eric Fetty. Okay, I look, look, I got it. Look at that. Um, the White Sox signed superstar of the Korean League, Eric Fetty. Um, just, just thoughts, I guess. You know, kind of throw me a bone here, guys, because it's hard for me to be excited about a guy who historically is a low strikeout pitcher um, that has gotten absolutely clapped in the major leagues. That you know went overseas, looked very. Very impressive, actually. Almost, uh, almost like something might have happened with uh, the way he approaches his starts, the way he approaches batters. But um, definitely a, a low risk, high reward potential signing. Uh, Nick, I will let you kick it off because Jordan's already talked too much. Uh, what do you think of this signing? Yeah, I mean it's fine. I kind of share the thoughts that you probably have, Duke, in that it's the kind of signing the White Sox should be making, right? Like when you're a team that has very little starting pitching and very little money, what you need to do is sign guys like this who might have, you know, the high reward upside that you talk about. But at the same time, I also agree with you where he got shelled in the majors with the Nationals. And while he's changed his pitch mix a little bit, I think added, I don't remember if it was a sweeper or something else, added something like, that's good. But the odds of him actually hitting that upside are so slim that I it's like the meme where it's like overwhelming versus underwhelming. I'm like very whelmed 
wow, this move, it doesn't really do anything for me. But at the same time, it's something that they should be doing. So I'm not upset at it either. It's just that like, there's not much to say about it other than, you know, it's, it's, I guess it's good. <laughs> I, I guess like to put it in my own words, it would be like a 20 leg parlay that you bet a dollar on that if it hits, holy crap, that's great. But you have no expectation of it actually hitting. And again, which is fine, but then don't turn around. Again, it comes back to don't com- turn around and say you're going to compete this year. It's not going to happen. I think the best thing that came out of this move uh, was the new White Sox hire, Brian Bannister, basically explaining the logic behind the move on Twitter, which is something a, a lot of people were talking about, was he added a couple different pitches, changed Arsenal a little bit, and both Bannister and Katz had worked with him uh, in, in years past. That's kind of the logic behind the move. I get that. That's the kind of move that this team's going to make. The only thing that frustrates me about these types of moves is when everyone starts talking about the depth again. Oh, they've got great depth. This is another nice depth piece. Wow, they're going to have depth next year. Who cares is my thing that I I don't see enough people saying. Like, it's what, it, why do they need depth when their, their biggest need is good players? I've said this a million times. I, I don't care how good their depth is next year. I care how many good players they potentially have in the pipeline. Eric Fetty's great. He'll help eat up some innings. Maybe get something at the deadline. That's really about it, though. Um, again, I think it's a smart signing. I'd be a lot more intrigued by it if he was the number four starter versus probably the number one starter um, when Dylan Cease is traded. Yeah, I mean, I'm with both of you guys. It's just really hard to get too excited about it. Um, I'm, I'm all for an underdog. Like I, I love the type of cut, like comeback stories that this is setting up to be, but it's really, I think it says a lot about the organization that this is kind of what our, we're hedging our bet on as far as one of the guys that's going to take the ball every five days. Uh, Nick, you made a point about how we have very little money. I I do just want to point out that Jerry Reinsdorf is not broke. He just refuses to spend that money. So I I, I just want to really point that out because we shouldn't have to depend on situations like this. There's no reason why we can't go out there and try to sign players. I'm not going to say we're going to sign a Shohei Otani. Um, we're not going to sign a player that Buster only is going to have an absolute meltdown on Twitter about because he's not letting anybody know the information of his. Oh, signing. that was ridiculous. But regardless, <laughs> that was <laughs> it was so was- bad. I got a I got a good kick out of that because it's like you know he doesn't owe us anything, right? But anyway, that's discussion for another day. Um, I just I want to see the White Sox. If this is the era we're kind of hitting, I'm fine with the idea of like one year deals, kind of prove it deals, guys that we're not locked into instead of handing a ton of money on long term deals and hoping they pan out. Um, I know that kind of sounds counterintuitive to like what you want to do. Obviously you want to sign stars. You want to be able to sign players who are going to be here for a long time, but you also want to kind of like, especially when we're in the flux that we are right now, where we don't know what this roster is going to look like in three years. I wouldn't mind taking the chance on a couple guys like this in a similar vein. Just like you said, Jordan, don't turn around and say, we're going to compete next year. Let's just call it what it is. It's going to be an evaluation of the roster, the players we have on this roster and we're going to move on from there and we're going to hopefully blow up what's not going to be here long term and start moving towards the future but here's the thing though even even though that's completely true that that is a hundred percent accurate you have to do something that threads the needle or excuse me that moves the needle forward on this team i know what paul de young is i think that's a nice upside play i know what nicky lopez is what's move some moves have to be made where you can say here's just a piece of the long term if you remember back the Grandal signing back when that happened that that was when you started you know maybe the Sox weren't ready just yet in 2020 but you were moving the needle in the correct direction if you want to turn this around quickly you you can evaluate all you want but I know what half of this talent is or, or lack thereof in certain cases you need to do one or two moves that point the needle towards the future again because right now you don't have that you, you have a bunch of guys who might be number three starters. You have a bunch of guys that might be depth pieces on a good team. You don't have anybody that you're really taking a look at. Like here is the future. We're pinning it on it other than Colson Montgomery in time to come. That's my biggest problem with it all. At least so far in the offseason. I'm not going to say like, 
because I, I I always preach patience, patience, so I'm not going to be that guy who turns around like they haven't done anything yet. But just coming out of this offseason saying, oh, they've got all this depth, this is great, that a lot of people seem to be saying, I'm not buying that one just yet. Well, you know, I think it kind of goes, it does go a little hand in hand with the idea that, you know, and this is kind of weird considering it was Rick Hahn who really made the trades at the deadline. That's why the f- timing of his firing was just so strange to me. Um, because it looked like we were trying to gain assets, you know, gain those high upside, low risk type of guys like prospect wise by trading away players that definitely weren't going to be here long term. You know what I mean? So like I understood that. But, you know, with with what you're saying, Nick, or what you're saying, Jordan, I really wouldn't mind seeing the Sox even I'm not I'm not saying sign a Jimmy Rollins type guy. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying we go down that road again. But try to just bring in some like everyday MLB starters. You know, they don't have to be flashy, but like if we do bring up a Colson Montgomery, we want to bring like a fairly competent team around him and the other, you know, prospects we're gonna have coming up to at least show these guys how to how to be an MLB player, how to be an everyday MLB player, because that's something we just genuinely don't have on this roster. I think Paul DeYoung does that, and I think Nikki Lopez does that. I, I think those are if nothing else, they have proven they're competent major leaguers. I'm more concerned about the fact that Yohan Moncada is not going to be there at third base after next season. I'm more concerned that you're up the middle is Montgomery probably in the future, Robert probably in the future, and maybe Caro in a couple of years. Right field still a hole. It's like, again, I know this is a transition. It's more so for me. And I do think they have enough competent major leaguers. I just don't see where the upside plays are long-term Nick Nestrini might be one but that's a might it's like if you're looking for guys where I'm like I see the upside play here like the last time we did this with Moncada Jimenez Cease you saw the upside plays here I I don't know where you see the upside plays in other than Montgomery so you need to either sign them or maybe I'll feel differently when they trade Cease or you need to bring them into the organization somehow and that's where the Cease trade will be so huge because we talked about this in the last episode Bummer was a very, you know, death piece driven trade. And if Cease is more upside play, that'll tell us a lot about the future. But overall, I mean, I think kind of to address both of your points, I get what Duke is saying about wanting to have somebody or people who can like serve as examples, like veterans who have been there before. And while Paul DeYoung and Nicky Lopez, like, yeah, they're zero to one win players, for lack of a better term, like they're, they're at least like, they can at least pretend to know what they're doing. I think maybe, and maybe do correct me if I'm wrong, but part of your point might also be that it would be nice to have like an average major, major leaguer, like someone better than Lopez and DeYoung, not a star by any means, but yeah, that's, yeah. that's, and that's kind of the point I was trying to make too. And I'm not, I'm not saying like Salvi Perez for, for the love of God, but you, you know what I mean? Like a guy who's played on good teams, who's, actually started over a hundred games normally in a season that isn't going to cost a ton of money, maybe even towards the end of his career. You know what I mean? Like, and it's not a situation where you need to bring this guy in. Like I said, I want to bring up the Jimmy Rollins example for, you know, I don't want those types of guys that are just completely washed that we're going to hope to squeeze something out of. It's just, I need somebody out there that we're going to get the same thing from every single day. Like, I feel like you're, trying to convince me on Whit Merrifield without using his name. I'm I'm really not. I <laughs> thought about it for a second, but like even in that same vein, as long as we're not paying him a lot of money, you know what I mean? Like though, those are the kind of guys we, to just feel the competent roster because like everyone's going to get upset that we're not going to go out and sign some of the top players on the free agent market. But like, that's just not realistic to me knowing this team I've, I've, I've just have spent too much time watching this team and knowing how it operates. It's just, that's not what we're going to do, especially with where we're headed right now with this looming, like rebuild and reset. I just want guys out there that can play competent baseball. And even if we're not winning a lot of games, like we're going out there, and we're at least competitive. Like I just can't stand watching flat out bad baseball with these insanely inconsistent guys, you know? And if you want to toss a, you know, Colson Montgomery in there, eventually I want to have a competent lineup around him. So it's not just the Colson Montgomery show every single day. You know what I mean? I, I don't need Mike Trout level players. I don't need Shohei Otani level players. I need Whit Merrifield level players. Brutal. <laughs> like it's, it's that simple. To an extent, I do think Getz has done that. I, I think 
I know it's only two names, but DeYoung and Lopez, I feel like do that enough for me. Maybe an outfielder here or there. I think it's a veteran leadership, quote unquote, type, a type play almost we're looking for here. Um, and that's fine, but I still think, again, you're, I, I get you were never in the Shohei Otani market. I get you're not going for like the Jordan Montgomery type guys. I get that's not going to happen. I'm saying you need like, those one of those mid-tier type deals, hopefully, where it's like, again, I bring up Grandal. It was a four-year contract. You were probably going to see the maximum value years two and three out of him. And you need someone like that. You can convince and say, here's the plan for the future. Hey, year one of this deal might suck, but years two, three, four, five, I don't know however long it is, these are the years we want to bring you into the fold for. We want this type of player to fit this whole XYZ, so on and so forth. That's what I feel like is still missing from this offseason. They, they might go out and sign the Whit Merrifield of the outfield, or they might put Whit Merrifield in the outfield. Whatever they end up doing there, it's just more so something that so, some sort of long-term piece coming to this organization via a, a signing would be nice. That's all I'm trying to get. Because, again, if you're trying to turn this around quickly, you're going to need to do it in more than just one offseason. And right now, there's nothing on this projected 26-man roster that looks like it's a part of the long-term future, besides Robert, and that's a concern for me. And I guess by default, Ben and Ten. Yeah, I just, I just flat out don't believe a word Get says about trying to compete like now or compete soon. Like, I think this is going to be a little bit more of a long-term thing. Like, it's hard. It would be a situation kind of like, kind of like, I don't want to like go to another sport with this, but it's like signing a really good player or like a above average player to a, a decent size kind of, like let's say Grandall for example instead of signing him in 2000 let's say we signed him in 2017 would that make a lot of sense you know what i mean like we we have the pieces sure but like by the time we look good that contract's already going to be nearly over you know what i mean so that, that's kind of where i'm at with it so like i it feels like gets is kind of playing the crowd where it's like yeah of course we're going to try to be competitive I don't buy it. You know, I think this is going to be a couple year thing. And I think that shows in the moves that he makes more than him actually saying it. Maybe he could shock us, but I, I just, I don't, I don't see it as anything more than like, we're actively looking at like 25, 26 at this point. So the way you describe it, I completely, in terms of like the devil's ad, because side of things completely agree, but that seems more like 26, 27 to me. If you're thinking 25 might be at least a half decent year, then you have to make one of those, Grandal type signings. I know it's not Grandal. I think people get the point. To your point, though, Duke, I think you're, what you're saying might actually be very accurate. And I think that points to 26, 27. But then why do you keep Robert? And two, why don't you just come out and say, hey, we're targeting 2026? The more you don't, like, it's not a good way to get off on the right foot with fans. If you say one thing, like I can accept they're not going to be competitive this year. But if you're saying it's going to be relatively soon, that means 2025 to me. That means you're doing things thinking this is a bridge year of sorts. If you don't do that, but convey something else in your messages, that, that, that's an easy way to lose fan trust early on in your tenure as a GM. Well, I, I think we also do have to acknowledge the reality that Chris Getz might not know what in the hell he's doing. So <laughs> we, we we also have to. So there's another the great way there. to not get off on the right. <laughs> I'm just I'm just trying to acknowledge it. You know, I mean, that was our first thought when Chris Getz originally got hired was like, oh, great. It's not Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams, but like it's just another former White Sox guy like he could have no idea what he's doing. But, you, I mean, we're going to have to deal with it. We're going to have to talk about it. We're going to have to see if if he does maybe know what he's doing. But, I like, I, I'm trying really hard to think of the potential positives of next year. But it's just it, it just feels like it's going to be an evaluation year. If we look even halfway competent, then I could see, like, that grand all signing happening next year. But if not, like, if we look bad again and we end up selling all our good assets for prospects, like, I think we're going to be down the road a little bit more than what we potentially could be if we were to sign a guy either this year or next year. That's just my thought. On. Yeah, I agree, but I just don't know how this team doesn't look bad next year. Look at the left to right in the outfield. Benintendi, Robert, I don't know. Left to right in the infield. Moncada, DeYoung, Lopez, Vaughn. Catcher is Max Stassi and Corey Lee. 
and the rotation is not going to have Dylan Cease. How is that team good? How is that team either Devil's good? advocate, devil's advocate. We traded Carlos Lee and Magdalena Ordonez after 2004 season. Ah! There's, but there's nobody. I'm sorry. I didn't want to go there. Didn't want to go there. I knew you were going to react that way. But, but there's nobody good on that. Where it's like if these pieces and we sell them, I'm like, who? is good on that team. Like whoever said, I think it was Bruce Levine or Bob Nightingale the other day where he came out and basically said the Sox are going to lose the right way. If that's even a thing, that's not a thing, but that's what they think they're doing this year. They're signing a bunch of defense guys and they're going to make it look pretty ish on paper. But none of the, again, none of these are pieces that could be helpful to either a trade for like, it, it'd be okay. DeYoung might get you a, a lottery ticket. Like th- this is the type of stuff that they have right now. Th- the idea that they would base anything, any evaluation off of this team is crazy. We know what Luis Robert is. We know what Ben Intendi is. Young and Lopez are veterans too. We know what they are. Moncada is not going to be worth 25 million next year. The only guy you're really evaling here are either Vaughn and Lee behind the plate. Like, and I'm not too sure about either of those. So I mean, I totally get it, Duke. I totally agree with what you're saying. But in terms of the standpoint from which you view it, in terms of how it plays out in reality, I just don't know what they think they're going to learn from this team. It's a bunch of veterans who are going to help them lose a lot of one nothing ball games. That's what it's coming down to. I, I don't think it's going to be as much veterans as much as it is. We're going to end up seeing guys like Lenny and Sosa get a good look. We're going to see a lot of guys in spring training coming up from AAA. I think we're going to end up sending a lot of prospects up at a lot of different points. In this I hope season. so. And especially if, get, if it gets away from us, I think we're going to go away from the veterans quite a bit. And it's going to be pretty easy to cut ties with a lot of those guys. So I really think that's where this season is going to end up going. Like once, once it shows that it's in the hole and gets can get away with actively saying, okay, so we're not going to win this year. It's going to be the, quadruple a white socks like that's what it's going to be I, it, and the I, fan base realizes that too i mean that's i think that's why all the pictures are going viral of people getting sent like a picture of a fake jersey with the fans last name on it from the white Sox, being like please reconsider your season tickets like everyone realize not maybe not everyone but most people realize that even if the team is not good next year or sorry even if the team is not watchable next year it's not it's just like they're in such a tough spot where either, like you guys were saying, it's either going to be a de- developmental year or it's going to be a year where they're quote unquote competing and it's 2023 part two and nobody wants to watch that. So I think, I think they realized that. And again, not to, not to repeat myself, but that's kind of what the seats package is when he gets traded. will will tell us in terms of what, because some of the pieces they get back, I would imagine if they're serious about wanting to compete in 25, even, then you'd imagine we're not going to trade seats for a bunch of single A players. The headliner might be in AAA even or, or in the majors. So that will say a lot. I agree with that completely. Yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see the developmental cycle about how quickly guys end up getting brought up. Um, you know, and I, I think we're going to get a lot of answers to those questions like coming out of spring training because I think everyone's going to have a legitimate shot to make the major league roster. And that's not normal on a lot of teams, you know, so that's it's going to be never never been someone to be excited for spring training but i'm actually kind of excited for spring training just to see what some of these young guys can have the potential to do because if we're gonna have to deal with a year where we have to see a lot of these younger guys playing different positions i can get on board with that more than like you said nick a repeat of 2023 where we're pretending that we're gonna compete and we just don't you know so i just hope they commit to that too then i just really hope they commit to it because it feels like in years i don't think they're gonna jordan i don't think they're going to tell you what they are going to do ever i i agree i'm just saying commit to it in terms of when this team is 20 and 60 at the the trade deadline or whatever 40 games under 500 that even if nicky lopez is having a five win year that i don't keep watching him play second base like like that's because they've done that in the past. It is a very White Sox thing in the past to not fully evaluate players in lost seasons and therefore have the same spring training battles where somebody hits 450 in spring training, makes the team, and they suck at the major league level. But you could have figured that out last year if you had given them 150 at bats. Like, if you're going to be bad, commit to I don't want them to be bad with a middle infield of Paul DeYoung and Nicky Lopez I want them to be bad with a middle infield of Colson Montgomery and Lenin Sosa 
that's kind of the thing here. It's like, so some of the things they have done, like, point to that. Some of the things they have don't. And I think we're all kind of on the same page of this team is not going to compete. But I, I think the timeline is still very much up in the air for when they're going to plan to compete. And I think that's sort of the frustration. I guess for me behind it is just be honest. Uh, it seems simple, but be honest. Tell us, hey, we see 2025 as a potential contention year. Don't tell me, well, we think we can win the AL Central. And that's your reason for thinking you can compete next year. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just kind of difficult to gauge, you know, when when we're all getting called and emailed about renewing our season tickets, you know. And them selling Aaron Judge and Shohei Otani to us, so I maybe read a little bit of the writing on the wall with that, but I don't know. It's uh, it's going to be interesting to see. And like I said, I am not somebody who is historically excited for spring trading because when you have your roster set, it's kind of just kind of going through the motions. But this is the most unset the roster's been since the last rebuild, so it's going to be interesting to see. I think all spots are up for grabs except for maybe like a obvious Luis Robert and like maybe an Andrew Benatendi Aloy is going to find himself somewhere on the roster if he doesn't get traded as well but besides that it's it's pretty wide open and I think uh even with our catching prospects um it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see back there and honestly I like the idea of developing a catcher anyway just because of even before Grandal, we were just in catcher hell for years after AJ Pruszynski so it's actually if I'm going to bring a little bit of optimism in, I'm kind of kind of like the idea of seeing young catchers back there that have a little bit of upside compared to, you know, everything post AJ Pruszynski besides Grendel. And even then that didn't end entirely well. But anyway, we've covered this quite a bit, probably a little bit more than we thought we were going to. Um, I don't know, boys, you think we should just jump right into it? Think we should uh, think we should get drafting about the exciting 2023 Chicago White Sox and the wonderful year that we've had? Let's do it. And I do want to preface with everybody that as Duke goes through this and we go through it, it's most memorable moments, not the best, not the worst. It's a combination. You got to be able to find that right combination of some of the, there were good moments, but also there were a lot of bad ones. Um, the draft order. I got hosed. I'm upset. Duke's going first. I'm in the middle of this snake draft and Nick gets the coveted third pick. And, and and all White Sox fans have just collectively just devastated that Jordan got hosed. Um, but You're anyway, awful. Uh, so You're so, so awful. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Buddy. I know. I, I love you, buddy. Um, so it's it's a five-round draft. We're going to have five picks each. Uh, we'll keep her, keep her nice and fun, I guess. Um, y- yeah, Jordan, I mean, there was, a, there was not a lot of good, but there was a lot of memorable. Um, there's a couple that will just – permanently be burned to my head uh probably for all the wrong reasons but you know sprinkled in there were a couple couple bright spots that just end up to, didn't end up actually you know concluding in a lot of wins so um so i will start us out and uh this is, inc- oh, this is such a tough spot because i want to go with like the ultimate feel good um i i guess i'll let you guys have it if one of you guys want to grab it, I, I did not give away any of my picks and either did either of these two. So we're going all going into this completely blind, but I will go with firing Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams because I don't think I was happier at any point, any other point in the season. Um, obviously a little worried about who we were going to end up getting to replace him. And of course we ended up getting another white Sox cast off to replace him. That has already been in the organization. But that being said, it was time. Rick Hahn had to go. Kenny Williams 100% had to go. Kenny should have never been, never been anywhere near this team post like 2008, 2010. Um, you know, him him firing Ozzy the way he did while sitting on his, you know, brass throne of, you know, shitting on every great White Sox player that he ever released or ever couldn't come to terms on a contract with or traded. Um, basically watching him decimate the entire 2005 team, like a year after the fact, uh, yeah, it it was time. He should have never been anywhere near this roster. Uh, the fact that he still held his job after Rick Hahn was hired was laughable. Um, he was not someone who deserved a promotion at any point. Um, you know, I, I was, I was thrilled. How could he not be thrilled? Um, Rick Hahn, you know, didn't work out. I, I think he'll eventually find another job in baseball. Kenny Williams will never have another job in baseball unless he wants to start selling hot dogs. Jeez. 
What a eulogy. All right. I guess that leaves me. I don't... I'm struggling with handing Nick the ultimate feel-good moment versus taking one I just really want to pander to the fans with, and I think I'm going to pander because that's what I do. Just kidding. I'm still going to pander. Um, I'm going to go with Luis Roberts Homer at Wrigley where he turned around and quieted the crowd. I think that is going to be one I don't want to lose because it was super, super fun. Um, In a season of not very memorable moments, it's probably a little bit higher of a pick than I probably needed to put it there. But I'm going to do it. That is the one I wanted to get most. Nick, you're up next. Yeah. Yeah, For two picks, because you've got the... Right. Uh, Yeah, I love that moment too. And just especially from such a mellow player, usually like Robert, to see that level of response to fans is just so cool. But uh, interestingly, I had that as my number seven option. I have 15 here. (laughs) (laughs) And um, Dukes, I had second, so I definitely would have taken that. I am in such trouble. With my with my first first round pick here, I am gonna take the obvious one that you guys left me on a platter here, which I'm shocked didn't go first, honestly. Although I get it, which is Liam Hendricks returning from cancer. It was it was because... a very difficult position I was in. Yeah. But you know what? Right. I think you freaked me out by not taking it first, and then I <laughs> skipped it. I think you threw me off. I'm blaming every you. time. You always every are. time always blaming Duke. But uh, yes, correct. But no, I mean, how could you not love that moment? And I mean, it was what four months after we found out that he was even diagnosed. Just a crazy quick return. Obviously, now we're hoping he returns from his elbow surgery, which is a very different beast. But regardless, that was still definitely the best moment of a forgettable season. So that's the first one I'll do. The second one is tough because um, we're doing most memorable, right? And I didn't do much external research for this in that. I just thought, okay, in my brain, what do I remember? I'm just going to rank them. It's like when I look back at this season 10 years from now, what am I going to think of? So I'm going to leave you guys a juicy one that I might regret also, and I'm not going to hint at what it is. But second round pick, I'm going to take the Tim Anderson versus Jose Ramirez uh, fight. No, I was going to take that. (laughs) I screwed up. I screwed up so badly. It's all good. Um, I mean, I'm happy with it. So. I, I, do we even have to, th- I think Nick won the draft. I, hey, there's a lot left. Duke, we royally screwed this one up. <laughs> I still have a pretty good draft strategy oh here, God. so I'm not I, losing too much sleep. I, I prefer not to remember Tim Anderson, a guy who I loved most of his White Sox career, getting knocked out by freaking Jose Ramirez, but fair, fair play. Yeah. Fair play, Nick. <laughs> I, that is one that I don't think any of us are going to forget for a long time. Um, I don't think anyone's happier with that. Than um, Robin Ventura, honestly. God, I'm deciding between two. I'm just going to go with um, mine will be opening day against the Astros. Ceases start the the Vaughn double to the gap and just everything that went into that game. Like, oh, my God, this team might be good. Cease might be a Cy Young candidate already. All of the hope that went into that game. Cease being like, I didn't even have my good stuff that day. And it's like, you just carved up the World Series champions and you didn't have your best stuff. Grandel homered. I remember going nuts about that. I was actually in Arizona for coaching, sitting with the team and we were just having a great time. I was like, oh, this team might be decent. And then it all came crashing down. So I'm picking that one just because of just how many fun emotions were around that moment. And then how quickly it all came tumbling down. Yeah, that was a great night. Wow. Yeah, you guys left me with some two absolute bangers here. Okay. I know. I'm I'm, I'm not good at this. We need to do more drugs. <laughs> we need to do more. That's, that's all right. The, the, the first one I'll say, you guys probably probably went out, out of sight, out of mind. But uh, Jake Berger's walk-off Grand Slam versus that's Detroit. That's on my list. That is on my that list. That was... Easily one of my favorite like good moments of the entire season that didn't result in like somebody getting fired. Um, obviously hurt greatly to see Jake per- Jake Berger get traded. Uh, very happy for him in Miami. Also like class act for him to like come out and like address the White Sox fans on Instagram. That was super cool. But uh, man, that J- that home run against Detroit just and you know adds just because we all hate Detroit around here for being totally honest. So like 
anytime you have one of those, like it's, it falls in the vein of like that Carlos Lee home run back in the day too. You know what I mean? It's, it's always a really good moment. Um, and then this is my other, other favorite one. Actually, I had a tweet pop off while this happened, but uh, Luis Robert in the home yeah. run derby, like absolutely crushing Adley yeah. Rutschman's dreams, like on live television. He's out there hugging his dad. ESPN is so happy that they have this story that they had pre-written for Adley Rutschman. Like they were so psyched because, you know, Rutschman had this incredible round in, in his first home run derby. His dad was throwing him pitches like it, it was a story that could make God cry. And then Luis Robert just go out, goes out there and just kills him. And, and ESPN just doesn't know what to say. Like there's this vain optimism as he's just absolutely crushing the baseball. Like that it's like, oh no, this Rutschman story we were about to run with for the next half hour is kind of dying on us. I, I love it. I, I loved every bit of it. Uh, Luis Robert, you are just a silent assassin and I absolutely love you. And that was, that was definitely a highlight. For sure. That's a good I don't one. I don't even care. I don't even care about who won it. And the guy who won it probably didn't have all that great of a season anyway. But uh Luis, you're the man. That's a good mm-hmm. one. Nick, if you t- I really hate being in the middle. This really upsets me. If you take I am going to skip one that I really want to take. And if you take Just it from me, no, because I don't think I'm going to be able to get this one past two and fix for me. Dude, it's probably like 37th on Nick. <laughs> I know. I'm kind of, I think I totally botched this. <laughs> it's that's the problem. I am you going never to, get to complain about White Sox draft strategy ever again. That is fair. I, I botched hard. This yeah. is bad. <laughs> I'm halfway through and I'm like, I never mind. I'm going to go with the, the game where Vaughn hit the walk off home run against the Rays to end the 10 game losing streak. I think for everything that went into the emotion of the highs of high on opening day. And then like two weeks later being in the midst of a 10 game losing streak. And then all of a sudden they turn around a game. It was probably going to be 11 games. And then all of a sudden they have this huge comeback and then the walk off by Vaughn. I think that game is a fun moment. I just remember opening my MLB app like, Oh my God, they won the game. Um, that's a fun moment. I, I think that one because it surrounds the 10 game losing streak, just a fun comeback. I already lost this draft. If I get 10% of the vote on this, I'll be happy. Nick, your two picks. Uh, honestly, that was not on my list. I mean, I, I remember it, but how is the hold on? How is that not on your list though? I don't think this is because that I wasn't, I, I based it purely on my own personal viewpoints and i was not even happy when that game happened because to me the season was already like done even though it was april there was they were like seven and I 17 or something up. i was like this is this doesn't matter so i was too i was too I, far gone i screwed up so badly i mean it's still a good pick i think that i think the fans will probably like that more than i do i'm just too i was too pessimistic <sighs> in the moment to enjoy it so duke what say you on that I think I think your draft strategy sucks. Personally, uh, I, I think I think you just got you, you just got to pull the trigger, bud. You, like if if there's something out there that you want to grab, you just you just got to freaking grab, dude. Oh god, this is terrible. This is so bad. All right, well, it's kind of funny because the one that I said was kind of juicy that I was leaving you to is still there, so I'm going to take that one here. Um, so that would be, and I honestly maybe not the best pick here, but I liked it which was the DFA or whatever it was of Larry Garcia in March. Um, we could have used that. It's a, it's a moment. Oh man. It happened. For some reason, I thought he got DFA'd way earlier than that. I don't know why. Oh my God. No, we did an emergency, like not even a full podcast, like a 10 minute oh, thing. That, I remember. <laughs> this is horrible. I, I am embarrassed for this episode to come out. I'm not even joking. I mean, it it was. I mean, no personal disrespect to Garcia, but yeah, that was a good day. <laughs> That's a great one. That that is, yeah. You you have absolutely won this. Well, my next pick. I, it's another thing where I'm deciding between two big ones, but I feel the second one will still be there. So I'm going to take again, purely from a what will I remember about the season, the shooting or whatever you want to call it that occurred yeah. within the stadium in the summer. That was. Yeah. So I'm going to take that. That was, that was something. I, 
And we still don't have the answer for that, which is really right. funny about it's it. It's like December or almost December. We still, or no, almost January. My bad. We still don't know. <laughs> oh, that, that'll never get addressed again. Like that, that one's gone. No, like they're, they're mm-hmm. going to, if you try bringing it up to either the Chicago, Chicago police department or to anyone in the white Sox, they're just going to be like, I, I don't know what you're talking about that. That happened. Right. <laughs> when did that happen? It's like, yeah, you know, we forget the season too. It was pretty bad. Like they'll literally jump through hoops to bring up that that never freaking happened. Uh, but yeah, that was a tough one. That you know, we already, we already were being laughed at on a national stage every single week for something new. And that was just the icing on the cake. And I guess the cherry on top would have been the Tim Anderson getting knocked out. So Nick, you, you're, you're two for two on those ones. <laughs> yeah. You, I, I think, yeah. Well, the one I was going to take, that I didn't want to skip is still here. I'm going to take it. I already lost. I'm just leaving all the good ones for you. I said October 1st because that was the end of the season. <laughs> that was a good one. I had I had so, that one, but... I'm going with the end of the season, October 1st, I think. Again, for some of the fun moments we've all mentioned, um, it was just nice. I think there was just a moment, and it was kind of similar to what we did with White Sox Day, where it was just like, we're done with this like this is it it's over we've made it through the season it's ridiculous that we had to do this but we're here so october 1st 2023 is my fourth round pick i have one more and i don't even know what i'm gonna pick i just this this is bad i'm i'm truly embarrassed by this draft strategy you know i i feel like we've all all three of us have gone in different directions which is it's, we have it's kind of nice because it just keeps the options open we're not just saying the obvious ones we're not just like stealing each other's ones but they've all been pretty good jordan you might lose this one sorry but i mean you know pull at least i'm i'm fully admitting this one <laughs> this this was terrible all right so i got a good one and a bad one so i'll, I'll start with the good just to you know keep the good times rolling and that was being that was Colson Montgomery being named the number two overall prospect in baseball back in August. I thought that was cool. Um, it, it's it's even even with where our farm system is, it's nice to know that we have a a potential star still kind of hanging around. Um, and Colson's just done nothing set like sense, but just played great baseball. Uh, really excited what he looks like in the spring. Um, it's while I've, I'm, you know, hesitant to rush him to the major leagues, it, I think it's, I think it's going to add excitement to a season that's probably not going to be very exciting in the first place. So, I thought that was cool. It's nice to get recognition. Usually, when ESPN usually forgets that the White Sox exist, unless we're embarrassing ourselves. Um, and then the one, this one's burned in my head for all the wrong reasons. Um, it's one that really annoys me and I hate admitting to my rivals when they get under my skin, but they just did such a good job with this. And it was Christopher Morrell walking us off. Hmm. That, that's a good, that one one, like in a season that was bad, had a lot of bad losses, had a lot of blown leads. Everything could have happened that went wrong. Him hitting that home run and hearing that entire state, that entire just absolute dump on the North side, just going crazy and them singing uh, Go Cubs Go to where everyone in the freaking city could hear them, that one hurt. That one really hurt. That one really stung. Um, that one, it's crazy I put it to this level because I've been at a lot of heartbreaking uh, sporting events. You know, I was at the Double Doink for the Bears. Um, I was at Lambeau last year when the Bears were very much in that game and they ended up blowing it, and I was sitting in an entire uh, section of Packer fans that were just giving me hell after it. Very, very rare do I get stoic it's during sporting events and just get to the point where like, I have nothing to say. Cause I'm just irate. Christopher Morrell, I'll give it to you. you. You did that to me. I was very annoyed. And that's one that's going to, that one's going to sting for a long time for me. That was a good one. Yeah. I feel decent about this last one. I do want to talk about some of the ones that none of us picked. Yeah. Me too. That were on my list. Yep. I, I'm very curious to see how these last two go. I'm going to end it with, because this was just such, this was a week where it seemed like everything was going wrong for the White Sox. For for as many weeks as there were, this week in particular just sticks oh, no. out to me because things kept coming mine. out. And it's it started with Keenan Middleton yep. ratting out the clubhouse culture. And that entire week we started with that. They weren't playing well. 
And then they turn around, and I think that same week was when they started talking about something else. I won't steal it in case you want to use it, Nick. It was just a week of bad news for the White Sox. And I remember tweeting, I'm like, for as bad as this week, as I thought this week has been, it just keeps getting worse. And Middleton and everything that came after it, all the mistakes with the graphics, where his, his number, or he wasn't on there because they had like the spring training rosters or whatever, whatever it ended up being, it was just this nightmare of a process in a year that was already a nightmare. And I feel like that just set off a lot of downhill things for the White Sox in the second half of the season. Yeah, that, no, that was, I was literally going to pick that right now. So you finally uh, saved right. me. I, I might have salvaged 20% of yeah. that. <laughs> that. That was a good one because it was like the beginning of the end, it felt like. like when that article came mm-hmm. out, I finally thought, oh, they might actually fire someone. Like this is a uniquely That bad is exactly look. what I said too. I'm like, there mm-hmm. is no way people can survive these types of reports. And then Lynn comes out and basically confirms the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, there's no way people can survive. Right. Right. I never want to call for people's jobs, but it's like, if you're looking for change, that's the best way you're probably going to get it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'll round us out here. Just one more pick. And there are a few I could do. And we can talk about right after this, like what didn't we pick, but I'll take Luis Robert getting benched in late April for that's a good one. Yeah. Which turned out that he was like concealing an injury or whatever. It was just a whole mess. And tensions were so high among the fan base at the time because not only we were upset with that play, we were also upset because the team was like already 10 games under 500. And there were, not from us, but there were um, people campaigning to trade Robert and that he would never live up to his potential, blah, blah, blah. We all know that he ended up having an amazing season and this was like a blip, which was kind of funny to look back on in hindsight. So overall, like I, I just will remember it because it was such a charged time. And it was such a weird thing too, right? To see him just like walking almost down the baseline. Like just the visual of it is strange. So yeah, I feel good with that as a as a fifth round pick for sure. Yeah, I wonder I wonder who trashed Luis Robert early on in the season and caught a lot of hell for it. I'm sure there sure there was quite yeah. a few, but I'm sorry <laughs> for being right. I if you go back and 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 the the clips never do me justice because I need a lot of words to get my point across. So a you thirty do. second clip on, yeah, a thirty second clip on social media or a tweet it doesn't do me well. I was right. I said I need to see a little bit more patience. Just move him down until he starts hitting again. Then he can move him up. I, I, I will. I get. I got the heat on that. I didn't deserve it. If you want to clown me, go ahead. I literally wore something you can clown me on forever. I don't care. God, what a long year. I can't, that was this year. What a long year. There's still more we could have done. It's been a year. Uh, The only honorable mention I want to bring up, uh, signing Andrew Benintendi, but I didn't want to, I didn't want Nick to walk off the show. Uh, But You would have saved me if you picked that one. You would have lost the fan vote. (laughs) I I don't even care. I love Andrew Benintendi. If I I lose the fan vote on that, I I will, I'll roll with it. You give me nine Andrew Benintendis. I got the 2005 White Sox at my disposal, baby. (laughs) Love that. I've got a few. So my favorite sleeper pick, was the DFA because that one wasn't even on my list. Mm-hmm. I don't know how, for as much as I was Mr. Anti-Larry Garcia, that one slipped my mind. Um, that's a great pick. Let me see. Everything else I think we pretty much had, I pretty much had on my list somewhere. Some ones that we didn't choose. I said Zach Remillard's and I called it the Linsanity Week, <laughs> where over the course of his like first two weeks, he was met like 400 right. and everyone's like, this dude's going to be a star. I think he had, like, I think he had a walk off hit or two somewhere in there too. He had the, his debut was against the mirrors where he kept getting all these hits. And it's like, this, this is insane what he's doing right now. It was a fun little two weeks in the season. Um, Benetti's departure was another one I oh, put. Wow. I didn't, I didn't, I couldn't decide if I wanted to put that because there's so many things still going around about it. And, um, and then the other big one, I, there are two other big ones I said were the trade of Jake Berger and everything that went around it. Just like who made the move, who didn't make the move, mm-hmm. like all of that stuff. And then, um, Lynn's 16 strikeout game, which yeah. I feel like just gets forgotten because that was like the, they lost that game. I'm pretty sure. Um, 
it goes along with one of my last other ones, which was the fact that they found a way to go two and 11 in games where they struck out for 14 or more hitters. And that was one of them. Um, so those were some of the ones I didn't include that um, I at least considered. Yeah. Yeah. Those are good. I mean, I'm surprised none of us took Benetti. Honestly, somehow that slipped my mind. I, yeah. Yeah. Um, the Lynn strikeout one I also had. I had um, for like honorable mentions, I had a, f- a few. Um, one was just the trade deadline in general. So I guess that I didn't pick that because it was too broad. Like, oh, I did like have the, that too. Yeah. The Giolito trade, for example, I thought was good. Then I had um, in April when Luis Robert was robbing home runs like every day, it seemed like he had like a three week stretch where he had like three robberies and like two diving catches. That was kind of fun. Um, also in April, I have Hanser Alberto injuring. I mean, inadvertently. I almost took that one, too. That's a good one. Um, But I feel like in the future, like, we're just going to remember Tim Anderson having a bad season more so than him getting injured in April. So that's why I didn't take that one. And then my last two were, like, meta commentaries. One of them was the Jordan getting clowned for Luis Robert thing. You're horrible. (laughs) You're terrible. And the other was being a witness, front row witness, to uh, the Jordan versus Duke Aaron Bummer debate last month. That was also That was great. That was great. (laughs) And you know what? It would have been better if, like, he at least had a season where I could, like, like, if he had had a season like his past three where I feel like my argument could have been a little bit better, this we I feel like we couldn't have the full argument I really would have wanted to because this season was objectively bad and it it took away from some of the fun that would have been that debate but that was still a really fun debate I remember stopping for a second being like relax like <laughs> this is a podcast it is okay I it, I, I had so much fun doing that and like even like the aftermath of like the Twitter poll I lost. And then, like, us getting, like, the actual tweet replies from people. Like, it skewed so back and forth with people. Like, it was such a polarizing topic, and it got so many people talking. Like, it was it was a lot of fun. I mean, I'm going to say I won. Jordan's going to say he won. There's no way around that. But overall, like, it was something we had had planned. Like, it was – we didn't know when it was going to happen. We knew it was going to happen eventually. And the Aaron Bummer trade kind of falling when it did just kind of worked perfectly. Um, that and the fact we don't have Aaron Aaron, Bunny, Aaron Bummer anymore, that worked perfectly too. But regardless, um, it was a lot of fun. O- overall, it was a really fun year as far as recording this podcast and talking to yeah. you guys every day, you know, all the time. It, overall, I, on that side of things, you know, that and I do want to I do want to make a shout out to the fan support we've gotten this year. You guys have been awesome. Um, we're really excited to jump into next year covering this team as good or probably terrible as they're going to be. It's still a lot of fun to go on here, vent, vent our frustrations while also kind of trying to make sense of it all, you know, cause it's, it's really easy to jump on a microphone and complain about the white Sox for 45 minutes. But what I think the three of us take a lot of pride in is being able to kind of look through all the negativity and still try to find like, what is the thought process behind this? Why are they doing this? Because as wrong as it might be, as much as it might not make sense to the general public, it's nice to try to justify why somebody is doing something or making the decision that they're making. It's, it's maddening. It makes you question what right and wrong is, but We'll be back next year and we'll be doing it as well. So I did want to shout out the fans. I appreciate you guys a lot. Yeah, it's fun. It's the first year we've been able to do a full weekly podcast. This is the 38th episode of this year, which is beyond what we had hoped. Um, In terms of just being able to do this weekly, especially for a team that was so bad. But I, I think you put it perfectly, Duke. It's getting through just being negative about the team, trying to have good discussions that, you know, it's crazy. There are fans out there who like listening to us. The least we can do is give them something to think about as best we can. And I really do think we accomplished that. Um, and I do appreciate everyone who takes the time to listen because again, without you guys, we'd just be yelling into the void about Aaron Bummer's stats and no one would care, but for some reason you all care. Um, and I, I truly am very appreciative of that. I know our entire team is as well. Yeah, for sure. Great, great year. Um, I don't think I expected us to be like where we were. Like I didn't have the highest of hopes for the White Sox this year, but I didn't think they would be this bad, right? Like I thought we'd at least be having weekly episodes 
all month right now talking about all the moves they're making and they're just not in a position to even be doing that. But like you guys both said, we'll be here anyway. And we uh, really, you know, take a lot of pride in being people that you trust and, you know, that like Duke said, trying not to get too negative, but also acknowledging that things are not great right now. Yeah. It's, uh, it's one side or the other. We try to kind of bring it in the middle. You know, we don't want to have our heads in the sand, but we also don't want to scream about what you're going to hear throughout the entire ballpark, every single game that we're terrible, you know? So, um, yeah, the only, the only other closing thought before we kind of close her out here, um, Mark Burley is a hall of famer vote for him. If you are listening to this and you have a ballot, please, for the love of all that is holy <laughs> vote for Mark Burley. If you have a ballot and you're listening to this number one, why? Yeah. <laughs> hey, we are, uh, we got, we got some listeners all around the world. You know, you never know. Um, but I, I've beaten this. I've beaten it like a dead horse. I'll continue to beat it because Mark Burley has a legitimate case. I think he's someone who really needs to be considered. Um, obviously he'll always be a white Sox all time. Great. Uh, but he really was special. You know, I have seen a lot of great pitchers on a lot of great teams. Um, there's just something about consistency, dependability, and just being able to do some incredible things when you were drafted in the 38th round, nobody thought you were going to make a roster and you have certain statistics that have you up there with some of the all time greats in this game. Um, I still, I still love the stat of one of three pitchers to have a perfect game, a no hitter and a world series championship all with the same team. And he shares that with Cy Young and Sandy Koufax. It's an incredibly cool stat. And he's in the top 100 in a lot of very important statistics as well. Um, vote Mark Burley, vote Mark Burley. I might just print a t-shirt that says vote Mark Burley and wear it to the whites, wear it to any Sox game that I don't buy season tickets for and actually go to, but. My two closing comments will be number one in terms of this podcast. Uh, Nick absolutely steamrolled both of us in this draft. I can at least admit it. I think Duke, he steamrolled you too. I think we both got torched. I truly think he's going to win like 80. He's going to win like 80% of this vote, I think. He'll probably get me for the Liam Hendricks one, but I kind (laughs) of, I kind of served that one up on a tee. I don't know how in the world you didn't take that last. Because I thought people were going to take the Robert one, then he said it was seventh on his list. I'm like, I. That's when I knew the entire draft was over. <laughs> because I, I, I don't know. I thought maybe I would get the J Ram fight on the way back, but he took both of them because I thought that moment was much better than it ended up being. I guess I don't know. Um, but I think he's going to steamroll both of us because we just handed that to him. Uh, my second comment is, unfortunately, as much as I agree with Burley being a Hall of Famer, I've written articles. Um, stating as such, I'm a little concerned this is the year he falls off the ballot just based on some of the early um, voting we're seeing. If He only made it by a vote or two last year and there have been a few people that have left him off and nobody's added him. So I'm, I'm a bit concerned that unfortunately and this is the year I thought he might gain votes too, which is the crazy part. Um, it's unfortunate because Duke, you make a good case and I think there's a plenty strong case for that. Um, and unfortunately it doesn't look as such, but Maybe a Christmas miracle comes. Who knows? As for the draft, I mean, I feel like I got pretty lucky that four of my top five I ended, I ended up getting. The, the only one I'm that I didn't get up. was the the firing of Han and, and Kenny. That was my top five. But other, other than that, my first four, even the shooting I had, it was like number four, I think. And I got that on the fourth round. So I think if you took the Hendricks thing first, I probably would have picked Kenny and Han. I don't know. I... I I was not prepared for you to take that first, and I just went ballistic after that. <laughs> it, it's kind it's kind of why I didn't want to take it first because, like, it's well, it's why I didn't want to draft first, to be honest with you. Because I, I listen, I love Liam. I have Liam's T-shirt hanging up in my closet. I had his wristband on until it broke. I wore that till like the first time I got to the ballpark and they first sold it. It just broke when I was in Pennsylvania a couple weeks ago. So like love Liam Hendricks. Like he is one of my favorite White Sox players in a long time. Love the guy. Will be a fan for the rest of my life. But man, do I really hate Kenny Williams. Like that was that was something I really really wanted I think, to drive the point. I think out. if we got anything out of this podcast, we got that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I and I could have kept going, but for just for the sake of time and for the sake of me not going in a Kenny Williams rant like dude, the guy shit on Frank Thomas when he left. Like but anyway, 
With that all said, before I jump on another tangent, ladies and gentlemen, that is all we have this year for the Socks on 35th podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, anywhere else you get your podcasts. Also be sure to check out the website, SocksOn35th.com, as well as following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at SocksOn35th to stay up to date with your Chicago White Sox. We need a new play-by-play man, and Carlton Fisk will be right every year for the next millennium. Uh, This has been Duke Coughlin, joined as always by Jordan Lozowski and Nick Gower. We will be back when we are back as we cover more fun White Sox baseball. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. And go Sox. We'll see you next year. Uh Dad joke. Go Sox. Yeah, that wasn't funny. (laughs) But this is a fun episode. Go Sox. (laughs) Nick with the last second dunk. I love it. Terrible.